0: All over the entire world this week, eyes will be turned toward celebrations surrounding Easter. And those celebrations will take on different forms, everything from the celebration of spring. The celebration of Jesus Christ. What's amazing to me about it is, for a week, the attention and the focus will be turned in one of those directions. Matter of fact, there are many anticipating that their church buildings next Sunday will be overflowing with people. I'm reminded of a, of a hymn that was written by Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley, as he penned the words of this song, after he found himself just overcome with what he read from the scripture concerning Jesus Christ, and concerning the love of the Father, that through some means, through some way, man might have an opportunity for that relationship that was broken because of Genesis chapter 3 and the sin of the garden to be put back together some way. The name of the hymn... Charles Wesley wrote, "What and can it be? Just to give you a few of the words, here's what he wrote. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Overwhelmed to the point that he penned the words of that hymn. And for all of us sitting in this building this morning, as we consider the scripture from the old to the new. Does it make any difference? The clearest statement that the blood sacrifices of the Old Testament had a substitutionary significance. Is found in the book of Leviticus. And if you would turn with me to Leviticus chapter 16, is where we will begin this morning. You see, the the sin offering and the guilt offering and the day of atonement was a constant reminder to Israel, it was a constant reminder of the need for atonement. Some way, somehow, a means had to be provided. And the interesting thing about it is that means came by way of the blood. Leviticus chapter 16, beginning in verse 29. I want you to notice what it says. And this shall be a permanent statute for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall humble your souls and not do any work, whether the native or the alien who sojourns among you. For it is on this day that atonement shall be made for you, to cleanse you. And you will be clean from all of your sins before the Lord. It's to be a Sabbath Of solemn rest for you, that you may humble your souls. It is a permanent statute. So the priest who is anointed and ordained to serve as priest in his father's place shall make atonement. And he shall thus put on the linen garments, the holy garments, and make atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar. And he shall also make atonement for the priests and for all of the people of the assembly. And now you shall have this as a permanent statute. To make atonement for the sons of Israel for all of their sins once every year. And just as the Lord had commanded Moses... So he did. Chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes the atonement. And I want you to notice that last phrase, for it is the blood by reason of the life, the giving of the life, the shedding of the blood. Therefore, thereby, atonement takes place. I want you to understand with me just for a moment about the significance of the word atonement found only in the Old Testament, not in the New But in the Old Testament, the word atonement, here's what it it means. It conveys the idea of covering. To hide. Also covering for someone. In other words, not charging someone with an offense or a penalty. And so from the Old Testament, we see this statement of atonement the significance of atonement as it finds its way as he comes through the gates into jerusalem into the city and all of those things that happen throughout that week eventually making his way to the cross and my dear friend he knew he was going that direction he knew that's where he was headed My dear friend, an atonement had to be made. A blood sacrifice had to be offered. And the only way that man could be placed in a position so that his relationship with God could be where it should be was through this sacrificial substitution. Because you see, there's absolutely no way that any of us could ever pay what was required and necessary. Now I understand why Charles Wesley was able to say, Amazing love! How can it be that thou, my God, wouldst die for me? And my dear friend, as we consider this week, past this week, as we get past Easter Sunday... My dear friend, my desire for you is that same love that Charles Wesley wrote about would continue in our hearts and lives far past any of that. We ought to, this morning, with that crowd that shouted as Jesus walked into the city, and as he came into the city under the cries of all of the shouting and the Hosanna and all of those things, Just as that night when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he began to pray. And as we see in the agony, in the distress that he found himself in. And my dear friend, listen to me. It wasn't going to the cross that was the issue. It wasn't all of those events that were going to take place. That wasn't the issue. The issue was this that sacrificial lamb, that substitute, my dear friend, God was going to make him sin for us who knew no sin. And as a result of that, holiness is repulsed by sin. And so, What Jesus was dealing with. He knew what was coming. He knew the relationship between the Son and the Father was going to be placed under strain when He hung on the cross. For you and I this morning, let me tell you something, it ought to shake us to our core when we consider and understand the magnitude of His love, the magnitude of His grace. Whereby you and I could ever hope to have an eternal home with him one day. I don't know about you. But the whole time as I, I, as I read and dug all of this week. I said heaven help me. Oh God please. Please let me just love you. With all that I have. Because of your great love for me. Romans chapter 5, Paul writing to the church at Rome, here's what he said. He said, but God proved his love toward us. In that while we were still a sinner, Jesus Christ died for us. My dear friend, it's verse after verse after verse. True, the word atonement from the Old Testament is not found in the New. But words such as ransom, the propitiation, the appeasement of the Father whereby you and I could never do. My dear friend, please, this morning, there is no forgiveness apart from the blood. There is no forgiveness apart from the blood, and there can be no atonement without substitution. Every year, Israel was reminded of their sin. My dear friend, you and I today, praise be to God. Because when we become a child of God, our sins are remembered no more. Removed as far as the east is from the west. Matter of fact, there was a sacrifice, a substitute that took our place and sat down at the right hand of the Father once and one time only. To be the what? The propitiation for our sin to the Father. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 21 and 22. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 21 and verse 22. And in the same way, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all of the vessels of the ministry with the blood. Verse 22, and according to the law, one, way, one may almost say, All things are cleansed with the blood. Hold on just a minute. Let me explain to you what he's saying there. Because under the law, water, flour, or fire could be used. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Look at chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to notice verse 3 and verse 4. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Thus, atonement. Thus, the covering. Not charging one as a result. You see, the Old Testament blood sacrifices were only a shadow pointing to what would be the final sacrifice during passover and the feast of unleavened bread could you imagine being in jerusalem could you imagine that crowd that was there probably 2 million plus it's some estimates jesus rides into the city after spending some time at the home of lazarus he comes into the city of jerusalem he's met by the crowd as he makes her his way in and he begins to outline to the disciples what they needed to do to help prepare for Passover. And before that he was in the temple. And all of those things that took place in the temple. And as Jesus made his way through all of that. And as he shared the last supper with his disciples. Knowing everything that was going to unfold. As the writer of Hebrews tells us, who for the joy of the cross, despising the shame in all that took place, is set down at the right hand of the Father. In the New Testament, you find words like ransom. Sacrifice, reconciliation, and all of those words that speak to the relationship that we have because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Passover. Matter of fact, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter number 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 29, and and we'll also look at verse 36. In Sunday school this morning, you would have looked at this. John chapter 1 and verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and he said, John the Baptist speaking. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then again in verse 36, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. They would have clearly understood the significance of a substitutionary death. What was taking place in Jerusalem at this week and during the time of Passover? They have had any doubt about a sacrificial lamb? No, it happened every year. Matter of fact, in the week in Jerusalem, all of the Passover lambs that would be slain. It was no coincidence that Jesus Christ, that God the Father, decided that this was going to be the moment and this was going to be the time in the life of Israel that Jesus Christ would go to the cross. It wasn't a coincidence it was this week. No, he was the paschal lamb. That's who he was. Feast of unleavened bread. unbeknownst to them, that the one who is going to be sacrificed on the cross three days later was going to walk out of the tomb. You see the substance. The substance today is Jesus Christ. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse... Nineteen, the unblemished, spotless, sinless Lamb of God. First Peter, Chapter One, verse eighteen and verse nineteen, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood. As of a lamb unblemished and spotless. And here's the substance of Jesus Christ. He is the substance. That's who he is. Mighty friend, listen to me. This week, this week is about absolutely nothing else but Jesus Christ Himself. That's why. Why all of the attention of the world as it turns to reflect. Have you ever thought about that? From all around the world. For a week, and I've heard it from one end of the spectrum to the other. It's holy week. It's holy week. It's holy week. My dear friend, as we look at this week, my question to you is what does it mean to you? What is the significance of it to you in light of what we have? The Marvin read from Isaiah fifty-three. This morning, I want you to turn with me there, because everything in the week, everything that happens in the week, is portrayed to us in Isaiah fifty-three. Many statements made by Jesus during his earthly ministry follow Isaiah fifty-three. I want to just hit some of the highlights for you. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. He was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom mid men hide their face, he was despised. And we did not esteem him. Down in verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. Matter of fact, as he was asked on several occasions, are you the king of the Jews? Do you not understand and realize that I have the power in my hands to put you to death? And the response by Jesus in those cases was, So, you know this because somebody else told you this? He said, and oh, by the way, He said the only reason that you're able to do what you're doing right now is because the Father's given you that power. But here's also one of the things that Jesus had said earlier. He said, I lay my life down and I pick it back up again. I have the power and the authority to do so. No one else, just him. That's who he was. He opened out his mouth. There was no excuses to make. There were no apologies to make. He didn't have to prove who he was. Say, what do you mean he didn't have to prove Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. In the beginning, God. My dear friend, that's who he is. Verse 8. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Falsely accused. Specifically three different charges that were brought against them. Falsely. They couldn't even find two witnesses to agree. They drug him before Caiaphas and then eventually before the Roman proconsul where he was brought to. And the same comment was made over and over and over again, and here it is I find no fault in this man. None. The only fault. Was he was going to be the substitutionary sacrifice for you and I. He was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Ooh, What a blasphemous statement. To even declare that you're the Son of God. Able to take away the sin of the world. You're a militant king. That's who you are. Verse 9, his grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Joseph of Arimathea, who came to Pilate and requested the body of Jesus to take it down off of the cross, Had a tomb already that no one had ever been in, no one had ever laid in. Oh, by the way, that's a fulfillment of Old Testament prophets as well. He didn't even have a tomb, it was borrowed. Well, he didn't need it for very long because he wasn't planning on staying. You know, we've all seen this segment out on social media everywhere, okay? Friday's here, but Sunday's coming. I hate to say this to you this morning, okay? But we're here, and there's a judgment day coming. When he's going to return. Verse 11, as a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many. And he will bear their iniquity. Substitutionary atonement. He will bear the iniquity of us all. Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great. And he will divide the booty with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death. And was numbered with the transgressors. One on both sides. Yet he himself bore the sin i want you to notice it doesn't say all it says of many of many and interceded for the who for the transgressors from his baptism his ministry His suffering and death to His resurrection and ascension is seen as a fulfillment of Isaiah 53. And let me say this this morning. His blood is sufficient for all of those who call upon His holy, blessed name. Sufficient to accomplish what God intended. Take away our sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. It's Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He said, and he became sin for us. It's known, it's what we refer to as the double imputation verse. Because one of the things I want you to notice in verse 21 he made him God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God In who? In Him. So what's what's the magnitude of all this? God help us that we put one week out of a year... To shout Hosanna at the beginning. And to jump with exuberation on the end of the week when we celebrate his resurrection. Eventually his ascension. My dear friend, we ought to celebrate it every single day. Charles Wesley, overcome by what he read, amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Do you know him today? Do you honor him today? Let me tell you something. He deserves it all. Let me tell you why. Because he gave you all. How could we give any less?